0: You know, Ray, I think that a lot of times when certain cultists or false religious people and false religions deny justification by grace through faith, it's evident, obviously, because they've never experienced the new birth. I mean, think of the night you got saved. You've often shared your testimony. What did you contribute to that immediate transformation that happened in you? What works did you do in order to you know, accomplish that? It was instantaneous. You were declared righteous by God and given everlasting life. And other people have too. No. Yes. Oh, I thought it was only you. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's quite
1: a few. You know, I was thinking of Psalm 32, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And how... Our sin is more than covered in Christ. Um, the scriptures speak of blotting out our sins. You try and reconcile the forgetfulness of God when it comes to our sins with his omniscience. How can God forget when he's omniscient? He sees all things, knows all things. And the only reconciliation you can come to is that our sins have been annihilated, they've been destroyed, blotted out. And I love Psalm 51, which we all know and love. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. They're not just mercies that God has in his character and nature. He has tender mercies, loving kindness. There's a multitude of tender mercies. And then David cries out, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me of my sin. So the work of grace is absolute thoroughness because it all comes from God, not from us.
2: This will be interesting.
0: It surely will. So we got this glorious text from my beautiful wife, Rachel, to our family group text thingamajig. She said, I just realized that I have the word ache in the middle of my name, literally just right now. How does a person go their whole life and not notice something like that? And it made me feel good because it only took me 10 years To realize that my initials were easy, (laughs) ten years, (laughs) and it was pointed out to me by someone. (laughs) Seriously, did I tell you guys that story? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, five times, fifteen times. Right when that family friend said your initials are easy, and I was like, "Woo!" This
2: changes Um, everything,
0: and so it it made me feel very righteous because it only took me ten. It took Rachel. uh, Well, I won't give her age away, but. (laughs) Let's say a number of decades. You
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So you're probably wondering what happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I'll tell you. I was coming back from Huntington Beach. <laughs> <laughs> what happened <laughs> to you? I was coming back from Huntington Beach, and the on-ramp <laughs> was closed to the 405, so I had to go on a highway. And I was driving along the highway. That group text from you guys started, and I thought, "Oh, this could be important. I better check out it. what well, it's better not drive and check a text." So I um, indicated, put the signal on to turn to the side of the road to check the text when suddenly I heard honk honk and it was not a honk honk, it was an angry Angry honking. It's not funny no, how he was You
2: can tell the attitude. You can tell the attitude. The
1: I was a dead man. It was a black SUV with black windows. You couldn't see what was going on right behind me. And I thought, what have I done? Did I cut him off? I, I indicated the guy must have been traveling too close. So I thought, I'll go around the corner and check the text. Went around the corner and the big black SUV followed me around the corner. Oh, no. Then it overtook me and then it stopped in front of me, cut me off. And, and I thought, as I stopped my car, I thought, <laughs> I said out loud, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> and uh, I wound the window down, and as the guy got out, I yelled out, I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was saying I am sorry for, it because I you know, told him what I was doing. He was turning. And he was just mad. He says, why didn't you stop?
3: Whoa. And I yelled back,
1: did we hit each other? He went around the front of his SUV and said no, and got in and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to yell out, dummy. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Just wait, did you? I haven't finished. Here's oh, the highlight. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was sitting in my car. Window down, suddenly a truck pulls on the other side of the road and a guy yells out, Are you okay? To and you? I, th- to me, because he had seen what was happening, a big SUV was going to kill me. I wasn't a little V dub. I mean, I'm, in a, I'm a mosquito as far as an SUV's concerned. He nat. wanted to swap me, a gnat. And I said, that is so kind of you, and I grabbed a couple of in and out cards, which I have handy, and a little card for the YouTube channel, went across, that so kind of you, I says, uh, blah, 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 and while I was talking to him... You said him,
2: blah, blah, blah. I
1: did, I said blah, 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 and while I was talking to him, another truck, a car, pulled along the other side, and a guy yells across the road, you okay? I, I'm not kidding, it was just surreal, I said, yeah, thank you very much for caring, so... That experience, it was a scary experience because there's so much road rage around. I thought, I'm a dead man. This guy is so angry. You can tell by way he's driving. It turned into something very pleasant, a great memory. Isn't that cool? Did
0: you park on the side of the road? Yes. He was in
2: the middle of the freeway. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, no, I got off. The,
1: I was on a highway. And you can't
2: figure out why people were Don't ruin it,
1: Oscar. I, uh, I,
2: I,
0: when, when the
1: SUV was in front of me, yeah, yeah I, I stopped because he stopped me. He he pulled in so I couldn't go any further. Whoa. And that's when he got so out. You,
0: but you were on the side of the road, like off. No, I was on the road. Oh, you were, you were I was, actually. I was
1: driving and he pulled in. He stopped, so I couldn't go any Whoa. further. oh And then, then he got out, started he got to out. And he, and he was really angry. Did he cuss at you? No, I didn't. I don't know any cuss words easy. I wouldn't understand <laughs> what he's <was> talking about. <laughs>
3: That's Why crazy. was he mad? I don't understand. What, what because did, he
1: thought we'd hit each other, and why didn't I stop? But we didn't hit each other. I would have noticed that the SUV had hit me. Oh, you know? he thought you guys bumped? That's why I yelled, did we hit each other? He says, why didn't you stop? And I said, did we hit each other? Oh. He went around the front, came back, and says, no, got in and drove off. Well,
3: couldn't you have punched him? Then you would have hit I each other. I was going to reach out and hit him in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> in the knee. Now we did. <laughs> 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 I just realized uh, that your stories are 100 times more entertaining than easy's.
1: <laughs> oh, that, that's not a compliment.
3: <laughs> that hurts my feeling. Singular,
0: Mark. Yeah, well, we were talking about honks. Didn't we talk before about how cool it would be if you had, like, different kinds of honks? Yes. Like, I, uh, honk, honk. No, someone's invented oh, definitely it. definitely do, though. Someone
1: has invented it. I read it about a year ago. No. They've got a, a thing that you put on your car, and you want to say so. hi to someone. Oh, You want to say, please, could you go? I've been waiting here for a while. Honk, honk. And then there's, get out the of my way. Honk.
2: That would it be really cool. really is, cool. though. Because,
1: Seriously? especially in California, you just want to say to a guy, hey, the lights turn green. And you're going to turn around and shoot you because you. Yeah. What is that?
2: What is your light turn green like? Just kindly letting them know that it's time to go. Oh. What is yours? Oh, oh. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> too, but it, doesn't
1: come it doesn't come out like that. <laughs>
2: and he turns around and says,
1: you're number one. You didn't
2: mean to upset. Well, you right? keep bumping into SUVs on the road. Yeah. Of course, people are going to be upset. Yeah. You know, one
1: thing I hate is these windows that are darkened, And some guy pulls up. It happened to us when we are driving. Pulls up, and you can't see if he's seen you. And he keeps coming forward like that to come in front of you. drives me crazy. Mark and I were in, was it Chicago? Sure. And, <laughs> I mean, sure. Any, any, <laughs> the time when you it, guys were going to die. And we just about, we were, we were dead men. This lady pulls out in front of us, and I remember saying out loud, creep, because the car was creeping. And us. obviously it's going to stop and not come in front of us. We are going 60 miles an hour. At least. And, you know, at least. No, we weren't going, Mark, don't exaggerate. <laughs> Hyperbole. Did you call her
0: a creep? I,
1: that's what I said. Any car that's creeping out, oh, here's a creep. Because and she was obviously going to stop, and she did she came in front of us, and Mark probably would it be 30 feet in front of her? Yeah, about 30 feet swerved on the wrong side of the road and went around her. She was a dead woman.
0: Whoa. <clears throat> we were
1: going to straight into her. And I, we just said that woman would pull over right now and just burst into tears. That was so close to oh. death for her and for us, because Mark made the call wrong side of the road. Hope nothing's coming. And it wasn't. So you'd be talking to nobody right now. <laughs> It'd just be you and Oscar. Yeah.
0: Is that when that Mark so proved to be a false prophet and said, we're going to die? He's been sanded all his life. One day it will be right. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, road stories, man. So many of them. Especially in what California. Is it? I kept Seven upgrading my cars because of accidents. What did we see that, me- that, yeah. meme- that, meme-
1: that meme the other day? Seven billion people on the earth, and I'm the only good driver?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some to that. Well, gentlemen, all this road... I'm feeling tense after all this <laughs> road stuff. Ray, what have you done to us? Well, today we are, friends... Beep, beep. Talking about uh, justification, yeah, justification. I'm justified. I'm a sanctified. You know, I want to know who in the world started that, because there had you. to have been the first preacher. You mean the doctor? At, uh, at the end, I'm sanctified, justified. Who did that? Who uh, started that?
1: I didn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't me. Mark,
3: are you dying? I'm avoiding a cough. I drank some water. You know, Scotty has this new ice machine. No, leave me alone. Don't pat me on the back. See, Ray jumps up out of his chair to come give me the Heimlich maneuver. (laughs) Heimlich maneuver. CPR, Mark. CPR.
0: But yeah, but have you guys ever wondered that? Where did that start? Why do, they, why do they do that?
2: I think people like you care, but I don't really care. About no, I, do we I, Christians I, not have enough like
0: weirdnesses attached to us? It's probably like
1: someone it. was preaching and they choked and went, oh, and someone else said, that oh, <laughs> sounded Ooh, really good. Man, that's a good preacher. <laughs> that's really good.
0: <laughs> All right, justification. Huh, huh. Boy, I'm excited to talk about this topic, guys, because... <laughs> well, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, get on with it. Dear? wait! Isn't that what one of your relatives said this morning? Get on with it, dear. Justification, it's good. No, it's, that's right, sweetheart. Was the thing? That's right, sweetheart. That's right, yeah, sweetheart. I heard these
1: couple, this couple arguing down the hallway and that were arguing about what luggage they were going to take. And she says, "Not the brown one, sweetheart." <laughs> he says, "Yes." Sweetheart,
0: that was just, shut up, sweetheart. That was a real
1: argument with sweetheart. <laughs> just use sweetheart; that
0: changes everything. Well, but uh, but I'm excited to talk about this, guys, because this really is the foundation upon which our faith is built. Absolutely, you have the wrong foundation; your house is going to come crashing down. And I think there is so much misunderstanding when it comes to the doctrine of justification. And this is one of the pillars of the Reformation, justification by faith. Isn't it the pillar of scripture? Oh, amen. 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 So yeah, let's talk about it.
2: Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. I'm excited that we're talking about it. I also feel like this conversation is a bit premature for me because just last week, I got Michael Horton's new work on Justification. It's a two-volume set, and it's incredible. So I just started reading it, Um, but it's already really good. His first volume talks about the history, and the second volume deals with more modern-day issues. The thing about Justification that I think is important is it, yes, Ray? Shouldn't we define
1: what justification yes. is?
3: Yes. Westminster yes. Shorter Catechism. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, for those us peasants who really don't understand yeah, that, let me define word, it. let's define
3: it. Yeah. The Westminster Shorter Catechism defines it as justification is an act of God's grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. So therefore, in layman's terms, easy. I'll let Jerry Bridges tell us in layman's
0: terms. To be justified means more than to be declared not guilty. It actually means to be declared righteous before God. It means God has imputed or charged the guilt of our sin to his son, Jesus Christ, and has imputed or credited Christ's righteousness to us. And imputed means... Court. Sure. Yeah. And the beautiful
3: thing about that, right, when we look at a court of law, somebody isn't released because they're declared innocent, they're declared not guilty of the crime. So if somebody's arrested for grand theft auto, they either go to jail, they pay a fine, something happens like that if they're found guilty, but if they are not guilty, they're not declared innocent, they're declared not guilty based upon the accusations and the charges and the evidence that has been brought forth, which is different from this forensic act that we talk about at the beach when we go evangelizing. You are declared, what? Righteous. 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 You have a right standing before the Father. Solely based upon what the Father did. There's a payment paid. So there has to be a payment paid in a court of law, and in the judicial system in God's eyes, there's a payment paid as well. This is where Jesus said, paid in full, when he was there on the Roman cross. So it is
1: a wow. So back to you, Oscar. Yeah,
2: so here's why this is an important part of why this conversation is important is because the doctrine of justification is under attack today, specifically by people in the deconstruction movement or even guys like Peter Enns and others in his camp. And the common argument that a Christian might hear as they're out interacting and talking to a deconstructing quote unquote Christian is they'll hear something to the effect of that the idea of justification, this legal transaction process was infused into our doctrine and our theology during the medieval era, specifically by the reformers. And here's the argument that they'll make. They'll say that because Luther and Calvin and other reformers were first students of the law, they were law students before they became theologians, which was a common thing in the educational process back then. They brought with them a legal transactional understanding of justification that wasn't a part of the scriptures originally. This is the argument that you will hear amongst deconstructions. And so they'll say that it was brought about during the Reformation and a little bit before that. Here's the problem with that. It's simply not true. One of the primary sources, this understanding of the great exchange, which you guys alluded to, which is something that Luther will say, but he's not the originator of it, despite what people might think. One person, AD 130, so we're talking like early, early church history. Here's one of the earliest theologians. He writes this letter and listen to how he uses phrases the reformers used hundreds of years before them. Here's what he says. When our unrighteousness was fulfilled and it had been made perfectly clear that it was wages, punishment, and death were to be expected, then the season arrived during which God had decided to reveal at last his goodness and power. Here's what he says. Oh, the surpassing kindness and love of God. He did not hate us or reject us or bear a grudge against us. Instead, he was patient and forbearing. In his mercy, he took upon himself our sins. He himself gave up his own son as a ransom for us. The holy one for the lawless, the guiltless for the guilty, the just for the unjust, the incorruptible for the corruptible, the immortal for the mortal. For what else but his righteousness could have covered our sins? In whom was it possible for us, the lawless and ungodly, to be justified except in the son of God alone? Oh, the sweet exchange. Oh, there it is. Oh, the sweet exchange. Oh, the incomprehensible work of God. Oh, the unexpected blessing that the sinfulness of many should be hidden in one righteous person, while the righteousness of one should justify many sinners. The reason why that's such an important quote... Who was that? Did you cite who uh, was? Diognetius. Yeah. Oh. The reason why that's such an important quote is because it was written in about AD 130, predating the idea that the Reformers brought in this legal transactional exchange. It's clear that the early Christians had a distinct understanding of the justification.
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously... Scripture <laughs> makes that clear, which is based, which it's based on, because God is the habitation of justice. Right, that's what Scripture calls Him. I mean, you think of uh, Romans three twenty-one to twenty-six. Right. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference; for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption. That is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus.
1: So, isn't this a first principle of the Christian faith? It's just a a simple
0: doctrine. How could it be anything else other than by grace? Absolutely, and to me, you know, as someone who came out of the Catholic Church, I am bewildered, absolutely bewildered, that anyone who has any theological understanding, as many Catholic theologians would, who could honestly, and the operative word is honestly, deny justification by grace through faith. It's preposterous. You have to throw so much of God's word out. It's maddening. But we see the twisting constantly happening. We see it, obviously, not just with Catholicism. We see it in the Greek Orthodox Church. We see it in the cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. Mormons, so many others that are constantly attaching works to salvation. And Mark, what is it? Is it the pride of man? Is it just the diabolical, demonic
3: sort of influence behind it? Why is it so... Prominent. Well, I think by and large we are being inundated and taught this principle our whole lives, right? That we go to a job and we work and we get payment based upon our work. Well, this is the exact opposite of the way the gospel works, right? We are declared righteous through faith in Christ alone. Well, there's a part of us that wants to work for it because that's what we are continually taught. You work hard that there's payment. yeah. And, and we're confusing the two. Now, th- there is, if you would, sanctification. We'll deal with that on another episode. And in fact, John Piper, he, he brings a distinction here. He says it's crucial that we do not confuse or combine justification and sanctification. Confusing them will, in the end, undermine the gospel and it will turn justification by faith into justification by performance, mm-hmm. right? So that's exactly what we're talking about here, that I'm going to, because I work hard, I'm going to get a gift. God, give me. Give me salvation. I'm working hard. no. No, 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 a thousand times no. And this is what you're talking about with the difference between infused and imputed righteousness, which is the Protestant way that we are declared righteous once and for all. Now, let's take it a step further. If God completes the work on the cross, Jesus says it is finished, well, then we can also safely conclude that he's going to complete the work through us onto that day of salvation. You cannot have one without the other. If you have been declared righteous well, then sanctification will have its perfect work inside of us on that day when we see him and we are ultimately like him because of Christ. Not saying that we become God, obviously, but we take on that same holiness because of God because without holiness, no one will see God. Mm. You know, Ray, I think that a lot
0: of times when certain cultists or false religious people and false religions deny justification by grace through faith, it's evident obviously because they've never experienced the new birth i mean think of the night you got saved you've often shared your testimony what did you contribute to that immediate transformation that happened in you what works did you do in order to you know accomplish that it was instantaneous you were declared Righteous by God And given everlasting life And other people have too No Yes Oh I thought it was only you <laughs> No no It's
1: it's, uh, it's quite a few You know I was thinking of Psalm 32 Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven Whose sin is covered And how our sin is more than covered in Christ. Um, the scriptures speak of blotting out our sins. You try and reconcile the forgetfulness of God when it comes to our sins with His omniscience. How can God forget when He's omniscient? He sees all things, knows all things. And the only reconciliation you can come to is that our sins have been annihilated, they've been destroyed, blotted out. And I love Psalm 51, which we all know and love. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies. They're not just mercies that God has in his character and nature. He has tender mercies, loving kindness. There's a multitude of tender mercies. And then David cries out, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly and cleanse me of my sin." So the work of grace is absolute thoroughness because it all comes from God, not from us. Oh,
0: Peter talks about how if we lack, and I've mentioned this before on the program, but if we lack the different godly attributes that he mentions there, he says, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten his purification from his old sins. One of the things I I try to do daily is to remind myself of the day that I got saved. You know, that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. The moment that God opened my eyes and transformed me and my sins fell off and I, and I had that sense of like that thousand pounds of weight on my shoulders and they were just poof, released. Because that is what fuels us to continue to live, like you talk about, Ray, with gratitude. For what God has done. Like there I was, this lost guy. I mean, and you know, I was angry on my way to that event where I heard the gospel. I had gotten in a fight with my mom. I was raging. I was full of just rage. Seriously, when I walked into that place. And I walked out with a peace I had never ever known. So distinct. I could you know I could sense it now just remembering it, you know? My sins were gone. Mm. And Oscar, the the principle of double imputation, not just that the righteousness of Christ was imputed to us, but our sins were imputed to him. How important is that for us to understand that Christ actually took our sins upon, he who knew no sin became Became sin sin for us, that we may become
2: the righteousness of God in him. Speak to that. Well, think about just how ludicrous the gospel seems when you talk about that, that he who knew no sins became sin for us. This is that great exchange that Luther loves to talk about. The fact that it was truly removed from us and put upon him, because what that means is that a part of our justification isn't simply that we have been justified, but it also means that somebody else has paid the penalty for us so that that might happen. And we often talk about the cross, as though he like he was pierced, mm. that he was stretched, that he hung. And all of those physical pains are very real. But when he says, he who knew no sin became sin, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Jesus is not just talking about the physical pain that he's experiencing. He's alluding to the reality that the fullness of the wrath of God, that that Pressed upon him, he who knew no sin became sin. Boy, that's, that should that's have been us. Beyond their understanding, isn't it? It's just like
0: what? Well, it, you know what it is to me. It's like a massive wake-up call. You know, we get so accustomed to the truths of the faith, right? Because you know, we read scripture and we're in church and we're in this sort of Christianized atmosphere where they lose like their significance. You know, there are saints that I read sometimes who have written, especially saints of old, who have this attitude of what's wrong with us? Hmm. God became a man. God took our sins upon himself to redeem us. Like, fathom that, you know? Yeah. And I think the reason why we're not struck by that the way we should be is because we make so much of man and so little of God. Yep. Hmm. It's only the, the realization of our utter sinfulness that makes us recognize how unreal what God did is. And Ray, I'm so grateful to the Lord for how He's raised you up, because, you know, again, we know you, you know yourself, we know that you're, you're a sinner, there's no glory to mm-hmm. you at all, but, but the Lord has, by His grace, given you this message for the church that I think has helped to bring that awe back. Because when you're looking at your sin against the backdrop of a holy God and, and His holy law, and then you turn your gaze toward that cross and you realize, you you took my wicked wretchedness on yourself, it leaves us
1: undone. You know, the law magnifies grace. The more we see ourselves as sinners, the more graceful God seems. And it, it makes the cross explode with glorious light and mercy and Oh, he that's forgiven much, the same loves much. So why do I love the Lord so much? Because I've been forgiven so much. That's so why gratitude fills my heart.
3: Boy, I remember back in 1994, I was working in a restaurant, and there were a couple pastors that were sitting there reading the Bible, and I started a conversation with them. And I asked them, hey, have you ever heard of uh, Ray Comfort? And this was before it was Living Waters. Yeah. And they said, oh, yeah. I go, well, what do you think? What do you think about his message? Have you had a chance to hear Hell's Best Kept Secret? And they both said, he believes that you have to keep the law. <laughs> and I'm like, does he really? I don't think he really believes it, but you know, scripture says, Therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And I remember it, it sparked my interest enough to study the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to drive us to Christ. And it's not enough. And this is where I was at. I remember when I first listened to Hell's Best Kept Secret back at Bible College. And I thought to myself, okay, I need to use the law when I evangelize. I need to just kind of go casually through the commandments to bring the knowledge of sin. But that's really not the purpose, right? The purpose of the law is to throw such an unbelievable weight upon the sinner so that they cry out to God for help, for them to realize that they are so disgustingly sinful that there is no hope, that they are left helpless, and they are in the hands of an angry God. The purpose of the law is to drive them down to the foot of a bloodstained cross, not just Hey, you know, you've kind of sinned just like everybody else. I'm sure you've told a lie or two over the course of your life. And then we just kind of have a casual conversation. No, that's not the purpose of the law, right? We're not justified by the law, but the purpose of the law is to drive people to Christ so that they can be declared righteous in a sight. Yeah. So we must use the law properly for the purpose for which it was designed. And that is the purpose. The oh, law wait. Works, works wrath. It yeah. works wrath. Amen. It it, It does. It
1: brings the thunder and lightning down to the sinner.
0: Yeah. Ray, doesn't magnifying the anger and wrath and holiness of God by default magnify the amazing grace and mercy and love of God? Because when you're magnifying that and you're showing how hot God's wrath is, how holy he is, how angry he is with sinful humanity, and then you see what he did. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's like if someone is in a really good mood and they give me a hundred bucks, it's like, oh, but if I just, you know, punch someone in the face and kick them and burned their house down and they pull out a hundred dollar bill and go here, (laughs) it's like, what? You know, in light of what we've done against God and and, and his just wrath, it's mind blowing. Yeah,
1: it's it's not a popular thing to say. God is not just angry at sin. His wrath Mm -hmm. filled Mm. that sin. Yeah. We can't begin to imagine that. But the image in my mind is thunder and lightning. Nothing terrifies me like, you know, we can just speak of thunder and lightning now, but when you're in it and you see lightning flashes across the sky like so quickly and so powerfully, and you know, if one of those touched you, you're fried, you're dead. Yeah. And it makes you think of the, the power of God and how that thunder and lightning was present when God gave His law and peace, came with a smile on His face, as a preacher once said, gave His law so terrible as the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake and israel said don't let him speak lest we die Uh that's the voice of god when he comes smiling and saying here's my law what will the day be like when he comes in wrath to render his anger with fury
2: yeah i I love that you bring that up easy because you know if someone says to you that that i paid a fine for you your first response is probably thank you but your next response is how much did i owe (laughs) and how much you owe will dictate your response right if you're like, hey, I paid something for you, like, oh, well, what was it? Well, it was a cup of coffee. You forgot to pay for it before you walked mm. out. Two, three bucks. Oh, man, thanks so much. But if someone says to me, I paid a multi million dollar fine that if you worked your entire life, you would never be able to pay off, mm-hmm. my sense of gratitude would be significantly yeah, higher, right? right? And so, to your point, when we understand the righteousness of God, and we understand his right wrathfulness towards sin and sinners, then we are truly able to understand the love and grace shown to us on the cross. That's the thing is if you diminish his righteousness and his wrath, then you also diminish his love and his grace to you. You can't have a big God without a wrathful god or a loving god.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because what the world doesn't want is what the world needs most. They need to understand the god of of holiness and righteousness and wrath so that they could understand what grace was displayed, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, Ray, as Oscar was sharing that, I don't know why it just brought back to mind that story in your book, The Mystery uh, Jeremiah P. Adamson, I think was. The mystery the name is a the the book character. you wrote a
2: couple of years ago. Yeah, right? I, got, yeah. It. I got it.
0: But no, remember that part where his neighbor that was, or the main character who was awful to his neighbor. And then remember he was in debt and he called his wife to bring the check. And he wrote, it was like millions of dollars or something. He wrote him a check. Oh, gets me I've got a up.
1: confession to make. <laughs> I wrote that book, but when I was reading it, after I wrote it, I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: awesome. It really, I mean, it just that thought of, yes. of that, the word is munificence. I love that word, that munificence of that just like, overabundant generosity, mm, wow. you know, that's demonstrated.
1: Boy, we need a t-shirt with munificence written on it. <laughs> 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 it goes all the way around. around. Everyone's going to say, what's that? Largesse. Like, Away you yeah. go.
2: Let me shift gears a little bit. No, okay, go
0: No. You're going to let them? You drive stick?
2: Uh, I can, I will, I do.
0: <laughs> I'd love uh, to see Ray driving a stick. I you just drove stick before I ah,
1: came to the US. You did not. Any idiot can drive it in an automatic. It takes a wise man.
0: <laughs> you really drove a stick? Now? Yeah,
1: that's all uh, we had. Was you stick. know how to drive a
0: stick, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't see you being patient enough. If you,
1: you don't it. get that clutch in at the right time,
0: <sighs>
1: and if you pull it out too quickly, you've got what we call kangaroo petrol. Uh, Unless you just
3: jump, jump, Yeah, jump, jump, that's definitely jump. a down under term. We yeah. rented a vehicle with a stick shift when we were in New Zealand. And Ray goes, go ahead. Now, I know how to drive with a stick shift. But on the opposite side, with the opposite hand, mm-hmm. I go, I don't know if I can do this. And Ray goes, step aside. And he did it. <laughs> and he did it fine. We didn't get into too many My cars. My first,
2: like, two or three cars were stick shift. I was listening to this comedian recently. He's like a young millennial. And, he's, and he was like, yeah, people make fun of men, young millennials, because they don't know how to drive a stick. He's like, but you savages, like, what do you want me to churn my own butter? Why would I want to be
3: doing this in a car all day long? It's it does
2: give funny. you a feeling of being
1: more part of your vehicle when you're using a stick. You've yeah. got more control over yeah. the speed you go at a certain, you know. Well, I'm ratio. sorry for
2: saying when well, you yeah. change gears. Okay, okay, I'm thank sure. you oh, for getting us on thing. that. But I do want to talk about justification in a different light, and it's a light that Luther. You mean a different uh, light? You want the lights about? changed? Oh, my. Can you mute him? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's something that Luther gets at, because you see, we've been talking about justification in regards to our salvation, but justification is an important doctrine and theology that should penetrate our daily lives. Yeah. It seeps into the daily trenches of what we do, and so this is something that Luther talked about. He said that that ultimately, at all times, both Christian and non It is in their nature to always be trying to justify themselves. And so he thought of justification as this important reality that fortifies us in daily living. So you think about it like this, like the pastor who's always counting his members and is insecure at his church lack of growth, he's trying to justify himself. The preacher who needs to hear that his message landed when he's asking people, how was that? Did it, did it land, did it land? He's trying to justify his work. Mm. Or you think about that person who posts on social media and wants to feel validated about how many people they reached with that last work. They're trying to justify themselves. Or you think about a parent who looks at the behavior of their children as a justification for their salvation they're trying to justify themselves. Or you think about the girl that walks down the street and sees images of what she should look like and she begins to feel insecure about her body image. She wants to feel justified. You see, Luther fought to show that justification should penetrate deep into our daily lives. He wanted us to realize that we are fortified from living anxious, exhaustive, work-righteous lives to try to prove ourselves, which is a vicious cycle. And that's the thing, is that when we truly understand what God did for us, what Jesus did on the cross, then all of those fears, all of those ways of working out our justification melt away when we realize that the Lord is pleased with us that the creator of the universe looks at Mark and Easy and Ray in a way that is satisfied, not because of anything that you guys will ever do, but because of what Jesus already did for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, justification fortifies our lives from those things. Amen. In
0: fact, I I love this quote by uh, Robert Godfrey. He said, The Reformation Doctrine of Justification helps us to see that our salvation is the work of Christ for us. It also delivers us from a life of doubt and fear that causes us to wonder how God could possibly love sinners like us. It shows us that we have peace with God objectively because Christ has satisfied the demands of God for us. And it shows us subjectively because we can know confidently that by faith in Christ, we are right with God. And there should be, Mark, that effect and impact on our lives because you remove the doctrine of justification by grace through faith and you're left with a frantic life of trying to earn God's favor.
3: It brings freedom. Yeah. It brings uh, satisfaction. It removes the burden off the shoulders of trying to attain and then to retain Mm -hmm. and to uh, keep things going. John Calvin said justification is the main hinge on which salvation turns. You know, you were talking about Catholicism earlier, and I remember Dr. James White talking about when somebody goes from being a Protestant to a Catholic, he talks about entering into this endless revolving door of works, because you can never do enough to earn the favor of God. You know, it's been said here on the show that we don't serve God to gain His acceptance, but because we are accepted, we serve God, and we serve Him joyfully, but we don't have uh, this weight upon us to earn the smile of God because God is already smiling based upon what Christ did. And let me take it a step further. Let me show you what the theological ramifications of this means. Ask a believer... Would God be just in sending you to hell? And the typical response is yes. But the biblical response is no. Because of what Christ did, not based upon what I've done, but because of what I've done, Christ did what he did. Because Christ died on the cross for my sins. Romans 3 says, "A man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law." God would now, the Father would be unjust in sending me to hell. And I say, God, I deserve to go to hell. And God says, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Because as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins. He's blotted out our sins and he remembers our sins no more. So therefore, when we bring up the conversation, I deserve to go to hell. No, because the price was paid. It would be like you're in a court of law. You're guilty of a crime, you paid the fine, and then the prosecuting attorney goes, put him in jail. Hmm. And the defense attorney goes, what are you talking about? The fine has been paid. And the judge goes, I'm not going to get into this conversation anymore. The case is closed and the gavel comes down. So we go to God and say, God, I deserve to go to hell, but I deserve to go to hell. Listen, Christ paid the ultimate price. Hmm. And He doesn't remember our sins. Stop with the buffoonery and the conversation that is outside of Scripture. This is what it means to be declared righteous hmm. in the sight of God. That is a beautiful picture. Wow, oh, amen.
1: Which brings us to Luke 18, where Jesus said two men went up to the temple to pray.
3: Hmm.
1: This so excites me because it sums up the, the two camps. You've either got people by works or by grace. say by by grace. First man looks up and says, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes. I'm not like this Republican over here. Are you going to correct me? It's not a Republican. (laughs) King James Version says, Publican, which is a tax
0: collector. And he
1: smote his breasts and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We wouldn't even look up, which speaks of humility and just trusting in God's grace. And I absolutely Mm. love that, that God... Gives grace to the humble, and he resists the proud. And I, I just couldn't help but think of it, as I was reading that this morning, how Moses was told by God to take off your shoes; you're on yeah. holy ground. And that's we as Christians realize that every portion of this earth is holy ground, and so we walk in humility because we're in the presence of God always. Yeah,
2: that's why you don't wear shoes.
1: No, no, my, my <laughs> feet are so big. He's a, a heart.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's so good, Ray. And and you think to Romans five one to two, how it talks about how. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Peace with God. I mean, why would we have something like peace when? there wasn't something else that was there before it. And that, and that, again, is the tragedy of the world. We released a video that I did on our YouTube channel. And if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, friends, by the way, we strongly encourage you to. Um, you'll What's find,
2: YouTube again? Sorry, just uh, for those it, who don't it's, know.
0: It's just a tube with a U on it. That's YouTube, Living Waters YouTube. Yeah, channel. Living Waters YouTube channel. Make sure to check it out. But we did a video of mine where I talked about Justin Bieber. I talked about a song that he did. And I think the title was Why Jesus Hates This. And... I can't tell you how many comments there were on there. Jesus never hates, Jesus doesn't have any hate in him, there's no hate, and people are like, like what? Uh, totally dumbfounded, mm-hmm. you know? And I had to quote the verse from Revelations where God, you know, Jesus talked about hating the deeds, you know, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it was cool to see some people backtrack. But again, that's the error of the world that they don't recognize the, the wrath of God and that, that when they don't know Christ, they're, not at, they're at enmity with mm-hmm. God. And then you bring in the doctrine of justification. He justifies the ungodly. Wow. It's just
1: mind-blowing. And you reminded me that the climax of that publican and the Pharisee and the publican is that this man went to his house justified, Scripture says. Mm, yeah. He went to his house justified yeah. because he trusted in God's mercy.
0: Yeah, amen. Yeah, and I mean, you think of how this is placed in Romans 5, six through nine, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath
2: through him. That's good. Who wrote that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Bulos in Arabic. Paul, yeah, and think of that. You know, and even when Paul was talking in, in Philippians about the, just how everything's worthless, he says, but what things in Philippians 3, 7 to 9, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith.
1: Boy, prosperity preachers must have problems with that portion of Scripture. I've suffered the loss of all
0: things. (laughs) And count them as rubbish, as dung, as worthless compared to knowing Jesus. Mm. Amen. You know, what what an amazing God we serve and what sweetness there is in justification. Friends, we hope you've been encouraged today to remember that He did it all, that it's not of works lest anyone should boast by grace you've been saved through faith that not of yourselves and what a relief that it's not of yourself because if it were you'd be in big trouble on Mm -hmm. day one of trying to earn your own righteousness so praise god for that make sure to please like this program on our platforms through the podcast platform that you use and leave a comment and also tell others about this make sure to check out the evidence bible At livingwaters.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. Winner, winner, chicken. Winner! I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners—winners winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters
3: podcast.
0: We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California; Yvonne from Crestline, California; Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina; Andrea from Anderson, Indiana; Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania; Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania; Lowell from Yakima, Washington; Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, mate. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.